Go ahead and make your way to Jude, the book of Jude. It's only got one chapter. We're going to be in verses 24 and 25. And then go ahead and mark Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. I love the book of Jude. <clears throat> book of Jude really, I believe, is, I mean, the whole Bible is written for us today, but especially the book of Jude. Talks about contending for the truth. Talks about last day false teachers and apostates. Talks about their doom. But it also encourages us at the end about Maintaining, maintaining our life with God and building ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you, my life dramatically changed after I got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. When we have the proper understanding of the kingdom of God and we see it through that lens, we have victory in our individual lives. When we have victory in our individual lives, we have, indiv we have victory in our corporate gatherings. And the saints of God take refuge with God when they trust the works of Christ. So you have the words of Christ, and then you have the works of Christ. The words of Christ is his, his sayings, his teachings. The works of Christ is his doings. And Jesus, he's the same today as he was yesterday, and he'll always remain the same. He's unchanging. And he gives an exhortation through the Apostle Jude in this letter. And I want to talk to you tonight about the power of God that keeps you. This house is not unaware that <clears throat> we're in intense times and intense shakings, and more shakings to come. And I want to tell you that when you take refuge in God, those shakings don't touch you. Because everything that can be shaken is shaken, but that which is in God remains. So it's where your foundation is built. And our foundation should be in the word of God and what he says. But there's a keeping power of God. There's the saving power of God, and then there's this keeping power of God. And God, by his power, keeps you in these moments of shaking because you're rooted and built into his word. You're rooted and built in his presence. See, his word testifies of his presence, and his presence testifies of his word. And he says here in Jude chapter 1, verse 24, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, or to keep you from failing or falling, God can keep you from falling. God can keep you from stumbling. And to present you faultless, blameless. The more, the more that I go around this region and get to know it and talk, 
the more I find that there's a majority of people who have come to the saving knowledge of the Lord but just don't know who they are. They don't know the inheritance that's been given to them. They don't know the kingdom that they belong to. Belonging to the kingdom has privileges, has rights, has benefits. Belonging to the king, being the king's son, you're royalty. You're a royal priesthood created by the blood of Christ. You're not of this world. You're just in it. Your citizenship belongs to another place. Now, him, now to him who is able to keep you from falling. I want you to grab a hold of that. He's able to keep you from falling by presenting you faultless, blameless. When the Lord looks at his beloved, he looks at a beloved bride, blameless, without spot, without wrinkle. He sees the sacrifice of his son. He sees the blood that justifies you from sin and transforms you into a new creation. That's the identity when you're born again. You're a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things come new, right? God said that himself. And if God said it, it must be true. Challenges is renewing our mind to that. But it says to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. See, the works of Christ is connected to the presence of God and the power of God. And the power of God is connected to the presence of God. There was po there's power in this room right now. Because God abides. He's here. He habitates among us. That's scriptural. He said it in his word so I can say it. God is here in this moment through his spirit. And the power of God is connected to the presence of God. And in the presence of God, we find our joy. We find that refreshing wind. We find the voice of the Savior. We find the leading of the Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Ghost, the renewing of the mind, the setting in order, the gift of repentance. We find the power to heal, the power to deliver, the power to overcome sin, the power to be reborn again. The presence of God is connected to the power of God. And Jude states this. After he goes through all of these heavy things about the last days and these end times. And friend, if you look around, we're in the end times. If you look around, there's an apostate church. There's false teachers there's false teachers that cheapen the grace of God and turn it into lewdness and lasciviousness. Everything that Jude spoke about in the prior verses is right now in this culture. We're in the last hours. But he ends the letter with, not to him who is able to keep you from falling or keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's not just at his coming. That's when he's manifested in you. So you have the Spirit of Christ in you. You have the Spirit of God that's in you, that marks you for salvation, that seals you for the redemption. Eternal life starts at the moment that you're born again. See, we don't have to wait for Jesus to come back and put an end to sin to have joy in the Holy Ghost. I love joy. I love joy. 
I love when I cry, too, before the Lord, when His holiness just fills. But I love joy, too. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to have fun to be a Christian. It's the greatest thing to be as a Christian. Why would you not have joy? So he presents us faultless, faultless before the presence of his glory. And then he says in verse 25, to our God and Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. See, verse 25, it's more than just a benediction to a letter that was written thousands of years ago. Jude uses words to reflect the power of the kingdom that we belong to. He uses words that accurately describe the character of our father, but it also accurately describes the inheritance that is given to the saints when they believe his son. He says, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Glory, which is the Greek word doxa, it's the unchanging essence of God and his truth. It's the splendor of his presence. It's the radiance of his light. It's the infinite perfections as manifested in the awesomeness of his power. It's the exalted blissfulness of the royal majesty of the Messiah. To present you faultless in the presence, the very presence of God in his glory. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless in the very presence of God at his throne with glory, doxa, blissfulness, majesty, royalty, the radiance of his light, the unchanging essence of it, of truth. He's able to do that. We have to understand that just because we're in this body, there's a spiritual realm where we're, seating in, where we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. We have to have our mind renewed to that. Then he uses the word majesty, which comes from the Greek word megasoloni. I, I did my best on that, and I, I think that's what it says. I did my best. But it's a reference to the glory of the throne of God. And it's used in Hebrews chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3, it says, God at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets and has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir, heir of all things and through whom he had made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding by the word of his power. And when he, he himself had purged us of our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become so much better than the angels, he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And then Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1, he says, now this is the main point of the things which we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of God, the throne of the majesty in the heavens. It's such an important truth that Jesus was raised the third day from the grave and that he ascended to the right hand of God where he sits making intercession for the saints. This was such a truth for the first century church. They had... Such a revelation of this. 
It's seated at the right hand of God, at the very throne of God. We're talking about the creator of heaven and earth and the universe and everything that is in it. Everything that you see, everything that you touch, everything that you smell, everything that you feel was created by God. Every atom, every nucleus, every proton, nucleus, planet, star, galaxy, whatever you want to say, God created it all. And our Messiah, he defeated death, was raised from the grave the third day, proven he was was the Messiah and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of the creator uh, that everything's ever existed. We have to have a renewed mind to this. So when the Bible uses that word majesty, he's talking about the throne of God. Now in Jude, back to Jude in verse 25, when he talks about the dominion, And that's one of the four power words in the New Testament. And those are the words I want to talk about tonight. Remember, it's the power of God that keeps you. The word dominion is kratos, which is the supremacy of the kingdom. And this refers to the exerted strength of the reigning authority. This is the territorial influence of the kingdom. You catch it? It's the territorial influence of the kingdom, like a theocracy or a democracy. It is the extended rule of the kingdom of God. So to him be the dominion. Jesus has dominion. Jesus had dominion. Jesus has dominion. And Jesus will have dominion at his second coming. Jesus has dominion right now through his church. By his spirit. Another word. Right after dominion. Power. Is translated asusia. Better translated authority. In which it means delegated authority. This is the right or the privilege. To impose the king's rule and power of his kingdom. So you have the the kratos which is the territorial rule of the kingdom. And because of the territorial rule of the kingdom, you have the excusia, which is the delegated authority of the kingdom. In other words, you have where the the borders of the kingdom, and then you have the law of the kingdom, the authority of the kingdom. And then you have the word iskuros, which means great strength, or or supernaturally empowered to persevere. It's also translated might or mighty. You would see this as a reference when the Spirit of God came on Elijah and he outran a horse. Or when the Spirit of God came upon Samson and he killed a thousand people with a jawbone. See, it's the power of God that keeps you. Are you guys following this? You have the territorial rule of God. Then you have the authority that's within that territorial rule. Then you have the might that supernaturally comes upon a believer. And then you have the power, which is translated, or dunamis, which is translated power, which is the miraculous power of God. By implication, this is the ability or the force to enact the authority of God. So Jesus said in Acts 1.8 or 1.9 that you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. See, the believers already had the authority. When, when Jesus breathed on them in Luke 24, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
He breathed on them. And then he gave them a commission to go out into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching those things that he taught them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and in the Holy Ghost. And then as they waited in the upper room, they were baptized with the power to enact the authority that was given in the upper room. Let me show you how this is connected in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Look at it again. It's for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. For it is the dunamis power of God for salvation. For everyone who believes. I want you to catch that. It's the miraculous ability or force for salvation, to salvation, for everyone believes. When you get born again, that's supernatural. Your spirit is supernaturally reborn. That is the dunamis power of God. That's the miraculous power of God. That's one of the greatest miracles right now is when somebody turns from their dead ways and their sin into the living God. It's the greatest miracle because you can go to heaven, uh, you can go to heaven sick, but you can't go lost. And you can go to hell healed. It's the greatest miracle is when a dead heart comes alive unto the living God, turns from his old ways, turns from his sin, turns from this demonic culture, and lives radically in love with Jesus. For in it the righteousness, the didekuna sine, I'm speaking in tongues up here. You guys are just going to have to trust me on these Greek words. I'm giving my best effort. But it's also translated justification. For it says, for the righteousness of God is revealed, right? Which is the justification of God. Meaning to be made right. And here is implications. It means to be constitutionally just. Meaning God has set in place spiritual laws that even he himself cannot violate. God in his righteousness... Had to send a sacrifice for your sin. The forgiveness of sins. In the blood we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. By his righteous law he had to send a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. He had to send Jesus to bring us back into the kingdom. He had to send Jesus to get the dominion from the Satan which Adam had given him. Had given uh, which Adam had given Satan, Jesus had to come back, shed his blood, take the dominion, transfer it to the people. All who believe. Remember, the gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Because God's constitutionally just, he sets spiritual laws that even himself cannot violate. So when we believe the gospel of Christ, the miraculous power, it's not only it not only transforms us from separated sinners into blameless saints, but by law, by his righteous law, it erases the curse of the first Adam. The fact that sin and death had dominion over you 
And now it imparts the blessing of the second Adam, which is the kingdom of life and liberty of being in the kingdom of God. I want you to catch that very important spiritual law. Because God is holy. And he's constitutionally just. He set laws that even himself cannot violate. God has to judge sin. He has to judge sin or he wouldn't be righteous. But that's why he sent his, he sent his son. So that sin was placed on his son. And the wrath of God was appeased by the blood of the sinless lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And then there's going to be a day when God has to judge sin in its entirely. And because there was sinless blood that was shed, because the earth actually received the blood of the eternal son, the sinless son of God, God has to judge sin in its entirety. But he makes a way for us in these last days that we can advert judgment, advert wrath, and walk into the kingdom by our faith, by our belief, by our trusting in his son. And as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. God, because he's constitutionally just, sent his son to shed his blood that the curse from the first Adam might be erased. There was no sin until Adam transgressed. There was no sickness in the garden. There was no, there was no, no poverty. There was no, there was no depression. There was no anxiety. There was no lack. It was perfect. There was perfect union with God. There was fellowship. God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. God walked with Adam. And Adam named the animals. And because Adam transgressed, he handed over the dominion to the enemy. And from that, there was a generational curse passed down to all mankind. That's why the virgin birth is so important. That's why Jesus could not come from the seed of Adam, man, but had to come from the seed of the Holy Ghost. That's why he was born, a virgin, born by a virgin. So he was kept holy and blameless. But because he came from a woman that came from man, he still needed the spirit of God to fulfill the will of God. See, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all ways. Jesus faced temptation. Jesus knew what it was to be hungry. Jesus knew what it was to go without. Jesus was homeless. Jesus knew what it was to be betrayed. He needed the Spirit of God. That's why the Spirit of God was, was given to him. That's why he was baptized for our example. See, he fulfilled the righteous law of God in himself. See, there was no sin until the law was given. And because the law was given, it stirred up sin. 1 Corinthians 15 says the strength of sin is the law. So when God gives the law, transgression enters in. Without the law, there is no sin. But because God spoke his perfect moral law into the world, sin was revived and stirred up. But it took Christ, who was the second Adam, which is the life-giving spirit. Are you guys catching this or am I going too fast? It took the righteous requirement of the sinless lamb of God, the eternal son of God, to shed his blood for your ransom, to pay the debt of sin, so that God would be restored back to his creation. 
And by law, it erases the curse of the first Adam, and it imparts the blessing of the second Adam. You have to catch this. You know, it's been said so many times by me already. I never go by, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I mean, yeah, in theory, yeah, that's what we were. But now I'm a saint kept by grace. I'm a child of God. See, God doesn't look at me as a sinner. And that's not being haughty or being proud. That's me agreeing on what God said about me. The last time I preached, I talked about the renewed mind. The renewed mind has everything to do with this right here. It's realizing that the curse of the first Adam has been erased from your life. The handwriting of the requirements that was against you was done away with when Jesus went to the cross, nailed it, rose again from the third day. It was finished when he gave his life on a tree. The righteous requirement for God was accomplished through the works of Christ. And now, we're in Him. And He's in us. And we're in God. And we're fitly joined together. And now we're kings and priests to our God forever and ever. And now we're not orphans. <laughs> you are not an orphan. Somebody's got to hear that. You are not an orphan. You are not an orphan. You are a son. You are a daughter. That's what God says about you. You're not a sinner because God can't be in the presence of sin. So you're blameless before the Lord because of the shed blood of his son and because you place your faith on the finished work of the cross. See, a lack of knowledge will lead you to sin. A lack of knowledge or a lack of realization of your identity will cause you to fall back and turn to your old ways and to your old life. Thinking that you're still part of the first Adam that was made from the dust and not the second Adam that was born by the Spirit. Come on, somebody. Come on. Instead of realizing that you're no longer part of the first Adam that was made from the dust, but you're part of the second Adam that was born by the Spirit, you have to realize that you have the dunamis power of God in you, over you, and all through you, and surrounding you, because God is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless in the presence of His glory. The spirit of life and liberty and being a citizen of the kingdom of God. See, I look at it as this, like Miles Monroe used to say, you got dual citizenship. You got dual citizenship. You're in and out. <laughs> One minute you're an American, the next minute you're a Holy Ghost devil stomping. Come on, somebody. I mean, that's what the Bible says. He says that you'll take up scorpions and serpents and you'll throw them around. You'll stomp on the Satan's head. Is that what the Bible says? Praise God. I'm glad I didn't read that wrong. When we're born in this world, we inherited the curse of the first Adam. But then when we're born again, we, we inherit the blessing of the second Adam. Remember, it's the power of God to salvation. So it's the power of God that leads you into salvation. And it's for everyone who believes. Right. What The mystery of God, the power of God. 
It's the power of God that brings us into salvation. It's the power of God that keeps us through and keeps us going. And this is the thing. You have to stay connected to the presence of God. You have to stay connected to the presence of God. That's how people become shipwreck. It's how people fall away from the faith. Fall away from the faith means actually departing from the faith. Because God still gives you a free will. That's the special mark for humans. We got free will. You can choose to say yes to God or you can choose to say no to God. But friend, I want to tell you. When you, when you have your mind renewed that you're part of the second Adam, born of the Spirit, and that you experience these times in his presence like we were experiencing earlier this evening, friend, you never want to get out. When you stay connected to the vine, you don't want to get out. And it's realizing who you are. If you realize that you are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that you're a part of an eternal covenant, you're a part of God's written love story and the blood of the Lamb, you never want to get out. It's when you fail to realize that you're part of the second Adam instead of the first Adam. When you're part of the second Adam, you have power. You have kratos because you're part of the kingdom. And where you go, that's God's governmental rule. God has governmental rule in the earth. Friend, I want to let you know the earth is not Satan's. That's not what scripture says. Scripture says the earth is the Lord's and the heavens are up, right? Let me tell you something. This world does not belong to Satan. This world does not belong to Satan. America doesn't belong to Satan. Africa don't belong to Satan. The nations do not belong to Satan. The Bible says that the nations belong to the Lord, that he is the desire of all nations. And in the millennial reign, the nations will bring him his, their glory. You have to have your mind renewed that it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The power of God that brings us to salvation is the power we inherit because of our salvation for those who live by faith. Faith is absolute trust and confidence in God. Faith is saying no to your own way and saying yes to God's way. It's not no way, it's Yahweh. It's Yahweh. It's His way. It's His way. His ways are better. His ways are better. His ways are better. His ways are better. And the power was at a cost. And it's at the most valuable currency in the world. It's not gold. It's not silver. It's the blood. Life is in the blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. I said without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There is no other sacrifice for sins except for the blood of Jesus. There is no other blood that can cleanse you. Friend, you need the blood transfusion from the eternal son of God to make you right for God. There's no other way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by me. You can't go through Muhammad. You can't go through Buddha. You can't go through Hinduism. You have to go through Jesus. You have to go through his way. His way are right. His way leads you to holiness. His, his ways lead you from separation to the world. It's his way. He's the way. He's the door. 
He's the life. And all who come by him find life. He's the life-given spirit. He's the second Adam. Revelation chapter 1. It says, grace to you, verse 4. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the, over the kings of the earth. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the ruler over the kings of the earth. He is the ruler over the kings of the earth. See, this World Economic Forum, this Antichrist agenda, this LGBTQ nonsense, this transgenderism, these people in high places, these elites that's got all this money and spending it like they're crazy, they're just wasting their money. They're just wasting their money because Jesus is the king. He is the ruler over the kings of the earth. Friend, I'm telling you, we're coming into a time when Jesus is going to show out in the earth. Friend, I don't believe that the, that the end time church just holds on for dear life until the rapture happens. I believe Jesus manifests himself so powerfully, so magnificently in the earth at the moment. I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is going to show off through his bride right before we're out. And here's another thing. We come right back with them and we execute the wrath of God on the Antichrist and all those who take the mark. And the earth is ours. He is the ruler over the kings of the earth. He is the ruler over every spiritual wickedness in the high places. He's the ruler over every principality. He's the ruler over Satan. He's the ruler over wicked men in government. He's the ruler. Now, friend, don't get it confused. Yeah, they're not submitting to his rulership, but they're going to pay a costly price. They're going to pay a very costly price. And I say that in the fear of the Lord. Because the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. And it's on those who do not believe in the eternal son of God. There is a moment in the earth where mercy is cut off forever. Remember, it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Someone really needs to hear that. But to him who loved us. And you need to hear that too, that he loves you. You know, I don't wait till Christmas just to celebrate the birth of Christ. And I don't wait till Resurrection Sunday to celebrate his resurrection. Friend, our life, our identity, our reason for being is, it is all wrapped up in the love of God. And his love is jealous and it's pure. It's not perverted and it's not watered down. Friend, it was because of the love of God for you is why Jesus went through what he went through. It was because he loved you so much that all of mankind's sins was placed on his back. And it was because of the love of the Father so much that he decided before the foundation of the world that he would use his son to reconcile his creation back to him. That he placed all of sin on Jesus. It was because of that great love that Jesus went to the cross, despising the shame. It was because of his great love that he took 
He took the whipping on his back. He took the thorns on his head. He took the betrayal of his people. He took every time somebody spit in his face or pulled out the hair of his beard. He took it because of love. It was the love of God that the eternal Son of God was crucified. Because it was the only righteous payment that it could appease the wrath of God and pay our sin debt. And everything is connected to this. It's because of his love that he washed us from our sins in his own blood. He washed your sins in his own blood. It was the works of Christ that ransomed you when you were dead in your sins, hell-bent, living like the world, on your way to hell. It was the love of God that stepped through the fire. It was the love of God that pierced through the darkness. It was the love of God that took those demons out of you. It was the love of God that brought you to salvation through the power of God to everyone who believes. Jesus loved us and he washed us with his own blood. And scripture goes on and says, He's made us kings and priests to our God and our Father. And I want you to catch these two words. To him be glory. And what? Kratos. Kratos. To him be doxa. To him be kratos. Forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming. With the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierce him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. He was God manifested in the flesh. Friend, it's all connected to the crucifixion and the resurrection. It's the ABCs of Christianity, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. He lived a sinless life. He fulfilled the righteous requirements of God in himself. He didn't, God didn't desire burnt offerings of bulls and goats, but he desired to give his son a body that his body might be laid open, wide open, and that the earth might drink his blood, that the wrath of God would be appeased on a people who would trust on the finished work of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It was the apostolic message, and it still is. It's unchanging. It's like his glory. It's unchanging. Friend, the message never differs. Friend, you can have some Hollywood preacher get up here and look all spick and span and try to do these cute little illustrations. But at the end of the day, it's the conviction of the Holy Ghost and the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's not even these little cute Word studies. It's not tied up in what school you go to or what title you have or how much work you think you put in. Friend, I'm telling you, it's in the blood. The life is in the blood. And because of the life that was in the blood that the earth drank up, it was because it peased the wrath of God that we might enter into a kingdom. And not just abide in good church services and go to heaven one day. 
but that we might execute the wrath of God and the divine justice on devils. That's why Mark 16 says, he who believes will cast out demons. That was the first, that was the first thing Jesus said in Mark 16. See, Jesus had to come to afflict the wrath of God on devils. He had to deal with the sin first. Because because of sin, everything else entered in. See, sin is the vehicle that the devil rides in that allows you to, leave, to walk away from God. It's not like that old school preaching that's like, man, this guy's just preaching on sin. Friends, sin is the reason we're in what we're in. And the problem is the bride and leader are fake leaders in the bride has cheapened sin, which by fault has cheapened grace. Sin is an offense to God. Sin is what led Jesus to the cross. If you ever get some yellow belly, jelly back preacher that cheapens sin, friend, I want to tell you, when they cheapen sin, you cheapen the grace of God and the sacrifice that it took Jesus to appease the wrath of God in himself. It's, repentance is a change of mind, yeah. But friend, I'm going to tell you, when you disagree with God, it's a serious offense. Our life is in his blood. And when we take another look at, we're going to go to Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. And we, when we take a look at this verse, I, I often quote this verse because it's one of my favorite verses. And because it's, it's set me free in my mind. See, the righteous requirement that God had for sin that was paid by the blood, it wasn't just forgiveness of sin so that you could be excused when you sin. Remember, you're not part of the first Adam. You're part of the second Adam. So sin doesn't have dominion over you like it did the first Adam. You have dominion over sin because you're in the second Adam. Friends, second Adam's first Corinthians 15. He's a life-giving spirit, right? Romans 8.1 says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and what? See, Lord Jesus has power over sin and death in this life and the age to come. And I heard Bill Johnson say it like this one time. If you're waiting to die to be freed from the dominion of sin, then Lord Jesus is not your savior. Death is. If you're, if you're just holding on for the great escape to get a new body, which we get, it's biblical, to be free from the dominion of sin, then Jesus is not your deliverer. Death is. Yes, we will say, death, where is your sting? Hades, where is your victory when we're raptured up and we come back down and execute the wrath of God? But friend, you have the spirit of Christ in you that allows you to conquer sin and death. When sin entered the world, so did death. When sin entered the world, so did sickness. When sin entered the world, so did the legal right for demons to afflict people. Am I going too fast? You guys catching this? Okay. Sometimes I talk too fast. 
just want to make sure. I, I want you guys to grab this because this is a night of freedom. Friend, this is a night of freedom. Friend, if you're walking in here and you're ate up with sin, friend, you don't got to be ashamed. You just got to repent. Repent is changing your mind, agreeing with God. But I'm telling you, there is a power that comes with repentance. There is a cleansing work of the blood of the cross. When you repent of your sin and turn from it, turn your back on sin and face the living God. There is there is deliverance. There are chains that break. Friend, I'm telling you, it, re it totally removes the legal right demons have to you. Romans chapter 6. Easily top 100 favorite verses of the Bible. I want to challenge you guys on something. I want you to read Romans 5 all the way to Romans 8 without stopping and catching the flow of what Paul's saying in Romans. When you go from Romans 5 all the way to Romans 8, you realize what Paul's really saying in Romans 7. Let's start. Romans chapter 6, verse 5. I'm not going to read the, the Romans 5 through 8, just to let you guys know. That's your homework. But it says this, if we have been, Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly also shall we be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, right? Listen to this with your spiritual heart, man. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from what? Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also what? Live with him. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin what? Once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. You guys catching this? Likewise, other words, connect what I just said to this right here. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law but under what then? Shall we say, because we are not under law, but under grace? Oh, let me re read that. What shall we say then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. I think in the message it says, you fools, no. Do, not, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slaves of whom you obey? 
whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that, through, that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from what? That form of doctrine which were delivered. And having been set free from what? All right, let's read that. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of? I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to uncleanliness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, and so now present your members as slaves for righteousness, for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin... You were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, you weren't bound to righteousness, but you were slaves to sin. What fruit did you then have of those things which you are now ashamed? In other words, how did that work out for you? For the end of those things is what? But now, having been set free from, having become slaves of God, you have the fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is in Christ Jesus our Lord, leading to everlasting life. Friend, if I could just, if I can take all those. If you read Romans 5 to Romans 8, you'll find when you try to do it your own way and live by, live apart from the spirit of life that has set you free from the law of sin and death, you're going to find yourself always falling back in sin. If you don't realize that you're born again, that you have dominion over sin, you try to do this in your own effort and you fall right back into it. But when you're connected to the heart of God, when you're connected to the presence of God, when you have the realization that the old Adam has been crucified and the new Adam has been raised the newness of life, sin does not have dominion over you. That means you have the power to say no to sin. It doesn't make you sinless. It makes you sinless. Friend, you, you're not a slave to sin. You're a slave to God. So present yourself to God. And you're like, man, that is, that is way too easy. That, it really is. Because you have the spirit of Christ that's in you. That's why God gave you the Holy Ghost. That's why Jesus said, do not leave the upper room until you receive power from on high. Until you are baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. That you would be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He knew you needed more. Friend, when they got baptized in the Holy Ghost, the authority of God and the power of God merged. And it created a new mind and a new outlook. See, they had a clean outlook of the kingdom of God because they didn't have a perverted view of religion inside of them. And religion has done so much damage in the bride of Christ. It's made the people of God live less in what God has given them. It's okay if you're in economy to live less on what you make. That's smart spending. But friend, when you're in the economy of God, there is no limit. There is no limit. Because all of his promises are what? Yes and amen. And that's not me being haughty. That's me stepping into the identity. You have victory over sin, and sometimes the battle's hard. Sometimes the temptation's real. But can I submit to you that the hardest part of the battle is not knowing. The hardest part of the battle is a lack of revelation. So see, if you don't have the revelation that you have dominion over sin, then you're going to fall into sin. You think that sin has dominion over you. 
When you read Romans 5 through 8, you realize that Paul is saying because he lives by the Spirit of God and connected to the grace of God. See, the grace of God is more than just unmerited favor. The grace of God is supernatural empowerment as well. See, you receive grace and mercy when you receive Christ. Forgiveness of sin, unmerited favor, undeserved favor, not of, your, not of works, lest you should boast, not of your own doing. But when you place your faith in God as a born-again Christian, you are supernaturally empowered by the manifold grace of God that equips you to live a life of holiness. You start to, to desire different things. You don't desire the things of the world. You desire the things of God. And how you quench the desire of the things of the world is you submit yourself and your members and your mind to the things of God. What are you going to feed? Are you going to feed your flesh or are you going to feed your spirit? That's as simple as it is. So when you read Romans 5 through 8, you realize that Paul is talking about the things that he wants to do that he doesn't do. And the things he doesn't want to do that he does do. It's because he's trying to live from his first Adam nature. But you realize when it comes to the revelation in, in Romans 8 that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For the life of the spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. See, he knew the righteous requirement of the law was fulfilled in the blood of Christ. And now that he was living according to a new law that God is uh, constitutionally just, that he set these laws in place and cannot violate it himself, that he gave the grace of God and the spirit of God that set him free from the law of sin and death. So therefore, he does not have to obey the lust of his flesh, but he has to yield, yield, submit himself to God. And the grace of God supernaturally empowers him to say no to sin. See, when you yield yourself to God, you get the power word, ischuros, which means might and strength, supernaturally comes over you and you say, nope, not today, Satan. You be on that, you know, Instagram and Facebook and that one reel will pop up in the middle of like 10 reels. You're, oh. Nope, maybe I need to limit my time on Facebook. You see, you start to get supernatural revelation. You get impartation from the Holy Ghost and saying, shit, you're spending too much time on this. What are you feeding more, your flesh or your spirit? That's what he was saying in Romans 6. Present yourselves as members of righteousness unto holiness. In other words, if you feed your spirit with the word of God, you're going to get spiritually strong, it's kuros, and have might to say no to sin. When sin entered in, so did sickness and death and all the other bad stuff that people struggle with. I want to go to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And I am rounding, I'm rounding third. I'm getting there, I promise. This is a night of freedom. Man, we had the movie come out, The Sound of Freedom. We're going to hear heaven's sound in this place tonight. And it's going to be people getting free. And there's already people getting free right now in their mind. Go ahead and make a note of this. I'm not going to read it all. But I'm going to jump to verse 8. The paralyzed man is being let down in the room, into the house. They ripped the roof open. They let this man down in the middle of Jesus' teaching. I would love to have friends. I, I, you got to have friends like this. Cody, if I ever do something to where I'm paralyzed, please take me to Jesus to get healed. <laughs> Rip the roof open, let me down. Place me right in the presence. Hey, I didn't see this before, but look, they put him right in the presence of Jesus. 
The power of God is in what? The presence of God. Thank you, Lord. But I'm going to jump to verse 8. It says, but immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned within himself. Well, Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Instead of saying, rise up and get up and walk, right? He said, your sins are forgiven, right? And then he knew that these teachers were reasoning in themselves. He had the gift of uh, the, the word of knowledge and discernment and already knew their thoughts. And Jesus said, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power, that means authority on earth, to forgive sins. See, Jesus knew that the man's paralyzation was connected to sin. I'm not saying if you sin, you get sick. I'm not saying because people don't get healed, they're in sin. I'm saying there's a connection. There was a connection of sin and sickness. And because Jesus, wanting to show his authority over sin, by law, it healed the man's sickness. He has authority over sin and sickness. Mark 5, verses 21 through 30. This is the woman with the issue of blood. She presses through the crowd. She actually directly violates the law of Moses. And she knew that Jesus was the Messiah. See, she recognized the excusia, the, the authority of God on the Son of God, and by law, she knew because he had the authority of heaven, he had the power to enact that authority. That she didn't even have to have him lay his hand on her. All she had to do was touch the fringe of his garment. And the Bible says that virtue went out of him. Dunamis went out of him. The supernatural force or enactment to verify the excusia. So Jesus... Walking, woman touches the garment, the power of God goes through. Remember, it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed as it is written, the just shall live by faith. This woman's faith drove her to the presence of the Lord to touch the hem of his garment to get healed. Because he had authority, he had power. Luke chapter 4, verses 31 and 36. It says this. He went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. He had more than head knowledge. See, I was told a long time ago, Shane, you can't just know the book. You got to know the author. And that's the difference between authority and just head knowledge. Someone that's connected to the author instead of just knowing a bunch of information. See, Satan knows this book too. That's why when you speak the word, that constitutionally just side of God enacts, and Satan has to obey the word of God. He says, they were astonished at his teacher, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. 
And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? Yes, he did. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. Man, I love that scripture. Jesus never gave a person that had a demon the microphone. I, it, that's just, I'm going to move on. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. And then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what word is this? For with Escusia and, and Dunamis, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. In other words, he said, man, they tell that devil to leave and the devil actually leaves. Why? Because he had the authority and the power. See, Jesus knew his authority. Therefore, he knew that he had the power to enact that authority. Friend, when you are in Christ, you have the same authority. You have the same authority. That's what Jesus said. He says, I give you authority. I give you power. I give you my stamp of approval. Now go do what I did. Go afflict the divine justice of God on devils. Go do it. Go heal the sick and raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Uh, Matthew 10, 8, that's what he says, right? His command is, go teach people what I've taught you. What did he teach them to do? He taught them how to put his foot right in the devil's throat. He taught them how to heal the sick, relying on God. He taught them how to preach the kingdom of God has come near you. He taught them to demonstrate the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus has authority and power over the kingdom of darkness. Friend, I don't care what type of chain you got on right now. Lord Jesus has the biggest chain cutters that you can imagine. And there is absolutely no reason for you to leave this room not free. There's no reason because the chain breaker is in the room. I said the chain breaker is in the room. He will set you free. See, the spirit of the Lord was upon him to what? Preach the gospel to the poor. To set the captives free. That is what Jesus loves to do. He loves to impart the wisdom, the power of God, and to set the captive free. Well, man, I just seen electricity going through somebody's knees. And if that's you, you just put your faith to it. Lord, let your healing power just manifest in this room right now. Let your authority and your power manifest in this room right now. Let it manifest in this room, God. Let your power, your anointing of the Holy Ghost come through in this room, God. Set the captive free, God. We declare the manifested power of the kingdom of God. We declare the Kratos power of God in this room. Yeah. Ephesians 1.7 says to him, or in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. The redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, it not only forgives you of your sin to where you stand before the Lord holy and blameless and a child, 
but it erases and eradicates all the byproducts that sin brought in. That's the truth of the gospel. There's so much power in simplicity. The blood of Jesus delivers you from every affliction, from every disease, from every sickness. Because that's what the word says. And I'm on a journey right now with the Lord to see such a manifested power demonstration of healing. Because I know what the word says. And I know what I should be seeing if I'm doing the works of Christ. I don't know what the disconnect is. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I don't believe that it's just because God doesn't heal anymore. I, I, I just don't believe that. Because his word doesn't say it. Why would he tell you to go out and heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons if that wasn't, if that wasn't an assignment? I don't know what the disconnect is, but I'm seeking the Lord. But I do know this, that the power of God is what brings you to salvation for everyone who believes. It is the dunamis power that heals the sick. And I've seen the sick healed. I've seen people put their hearing aids in their pocket and walk out. I've seen a woman, just by the preaching of the Holy Word of God, just get up out of her seat and set her cane right there on the altar. Not in this altar, in Kokomo, Indiana. Long story short, set her cane on the altar, healed of MS, doing laps around the church. Friend, I've seen the manifested power of God on a generation. And I'm going to see the manifested power of God deliver a young generation from sexual perversion from sexual confusion from lies of the enemy I'm going to see the power of God manifest so strong that it cuts right through racism I'm going to see all tribes of all tongues and all nations (laughs) that means black, brown, yellow white, pale white Suntan, because you live in Florida. Friend, every knee will bow and tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Friend, there is such a party. There is such a party in heaven, friend. And it's the power of God that reaches all nations across the earth. It's in his blood that we have the redemption of sins. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. And he says, to them he gave the right, that's the excusia, the divine privilege, as many as received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Friend, when you believe on the Lord in his name, see his name, you bear his name when you give your life to him. That means you're identifying with him. That's when, when a wife gets married to her husband, she takes his name. She identifies with him. Aren't you glad you're attending? Aren't you glad that you're part of Jesus? You take on his name. Because you take on his name, you take on the citizenship that he offers. See, when a daughter married into the kingdom, she became the queen or a princess. Meaning she had rights and privileges that was given to the prince. And by marriage, she obtained them. See, when you come into the kingdom, you get a new identity, you get a new mind, you get a new spirit. 
Because of the blood, we have the right, the privilege, the authority of the kingdom and the power, the divine ability to enforce the authoritative rule and reign of the king, the Kratos, the dominion here on earth against devils, sickness, and sin. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. If you know you're not right with God in this place, the Bible says you need to repent. And that's changing your mind for offending God. That's what sin does. Offends the Lord. If you've never given your life to Jesus, as many as received him, if you receive him, he gives you the right, the authority to become children of God for all who believe in his name. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to make that night to your night. If you feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost upon you right now, and you feel the tug of the Spirit of God on your heart, you feel him wooing you in, friend, I, I want you to respond to that. I want you to raise your hand. If that's you, if you feel the Spirit of God tugging on your heart, saying you need to be born again, friend, I want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to be in fear. We're not going to embarrass you, but friend, this is when you need to make the decision. This is God wooing you into the kingdom. This is God giving you a divine invitation to be born again, to be brought into a kingdom, to receive a new identity, to cast off the curse of the old Adam and receive the blessing of the new Adam, the second Adam. Friend, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Because, friend, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. For it's appointed for man to die once, then comes the judgment. And I say this in the fear of the Lord, and it's the truth of God. Friend, there is an eternal state of hell. There is a place of eternal torment where people go when they reject God. Hell was not created for people. Hell was created for Satan and the angels. Except when people reject God's mercy and agree with Satan, that's where they go. But it's not God's will that you go there. God's will is that you come into the kingdom, that you know the saving power of God. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Praise God, we're family. Tonight is a night of freedom. And we got a little business to take care of. But I will say this, as we're doing this, as we're giving the announcements and giving the offering, I really want you just to be real with the Lord. Just talk to the Lord from your heart. Because the thing is, the Lord wants to set you free. Man, if you need deliverance, I tell you, there's some mighty prayer warriors up here. 
If you need healing, the presence of God is here to heal. You can walk out of this place totally whole because Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Friend, if you just got to come up here, get something off your chest, and have somebody pray with you to see, see you overcome that sin, sin shall not have dominion over you. That's the beautiful gift of repentance. Repentance is a gift because there's some that are unable to repent. And that's the righteous judgment of God of rejecting his mercy. Don't let that be you. So, Lord, I, I just submit your word. And as it just hovers over this place, Lord, God, I pray that you just begin to impart knowledge right now in areas that need to be swept clean, whether it's forgiveness of sins, whether it's healing of the body or restoring a marriage, whether it's getting a renewed mind and the power of your word and impartation of revelation. God, I ask tonight would be a night of freedom. For someone that's been bound up for far too long, the Lord is wooing you to a moment, an encounter with the presence of God that produces the deliverance from God. And Lord, I came back on. Praise God. Was that you that went out? Okay. Lord, I just thank you that even that distraction ain't going to stop people from getting free because the enemy has no place. And God, just like Ephesians 3 says, I declare the manifold wisdom of God, the mystery of God, that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, was dead and buried and rose again from the dead, wiping out the handwriting requirements that was against us. And I declare it to every principality and power in the spiritual realm that Jesus is Lord and the power of God rests in this place. Guys, welcome Kathy and Mark. So, this point in the service, we're going to take up an offering, and I was going to share a little bit with you about offerings, but first, like the ushers to come forth and get the offering envelopes ready, and if anybody out there needs an offering envelope, I'd like you to raise your hands and the ushers will bring you one. And as they're doing that, I'm going to just share a little tiny blurb about sacrifices and offerings. This was actually taken out of a book on worship because it's whether we bring a sacrifice of praise or whatever, whatever type of sacrifice or offering we bring to the Lord. It all involves our heart. So, sacrifice or offering. Corbin is the Hebrew word for offering. It means oblation or sacrifice. And it comes from a root word, which is 
garab. This means to offer as to come or draw near, bring nigh, approach, or enter in. To make an offering or a sacrifice to God means you desire to draw near to him. That's why he takes our offerings so importantly. So whatever we do in the realm of making a sacrifice or bringing an offering to the Lord, what that involves is it's an expression of your heart showing forth that you have a desire to draw near to God. And that especially has to do with our worship as far as verbal worship, but also our giving as a part of our worship. And that just shows when you're willing to sacrifice, to give up something of value, something that holds worth before you, it shows that you value a relationship to the person you're coming to. When you offer and sacrifice to the Lord, you're saying, Lord, I want to draw near to you. This is the expression of my heart. So we can do this in our praise and our worship. The more we exuberant we are in our praise and our worship, the more we're showing an expression of our desire to draw close to the Lord. And it's the same thing as we worship with our offerings. So tonight, for all our friends out there online, we like to say thank you for your continued support of this ministry. You can give safely and securely to victoryfla.com and we once again thank you for your continued support of the ministry especially in these times and these seasons seems like uh, finances become more of a challenge everything seems to be going up but when we put the Lord first and invite him and we covenant together with him on our finances he becomes involved in your finances and it's the Lord who is the one that gives us the power to get wealth okay so I'm just going to the ushers I'm going to say a word of prayer and then you're free to collect the offering so Father tonight we just thank you we thank you that we can express the desire of our heart to draw nigh to you, Lord God. Whenever we come to you with a sacrifice or an offering, we're just showing the love in our heart and the desire in our heart that we want to come nigh to you, draw ever closer to you. Lord, we ask that you would bless our finances tonight, Lord God. As we partner together with you and sow into your kingdom, it's you who give seed to the sower, and you give an increase, Lord God. So this is an expression of our trust and our faith in you, Lord, as we give into your kingdom.
Lord, we ask that you bless our finances, give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and increase us, Lord. We thank you for the power to get wealth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I have a few announcements here. A um, couple of things coming up in September. Mark your calendars. September 9th will be a night of worship. So that'll be awesome. And then September 16th, Russ and Kim Klein will be with us. That will also be awesome. <laughs> and I have a special announcement. Next week is Pastor Brian's 50th birthday. So it's a milestone. He's going to be a half a century old. <laughs> so we're going to have a table in the foyer with a basket for gifts and cards. And so it would be wonderful if you could bless Pastor Brian on his 50th birthday. It's a big one. And then there will also be cake after service to celebrate his birthday. So that's next Saturday night. And we have the life amendment on the table in the foyer. If you're a registered voter in Florida and you have not filled out the life amendment, we, we need you to do that. There's a table in the foyer you can fill out. It's just a, a single sheet. Fill that out or take some and have your friends and neighbors sign it. And that's to get the life amendment on the ballot. So we need, we need help with that. We need to, to get that done. And also volunteers are needed. If you consider Victory your home and your family, everybody in the family contributes. So we need volunteers in nursery and kids' church, at the book table, sound, media, ushers, greeters, security, set up, tear down. There are all kinds of opportunities to serve here at Victory. So if you'd like to volunteer, there are applications on our app, the Victory app, or the website, victoryfla.com. And also at the information table in the foyer, you could pick up an application to be a volunteer and serve here at Victory. Thank you. Can I get the altar team ready? still not over because God's doing so much and still wants to do more if you need prayer literally for anything we're here for you and I want you to just come to the front if you need prayer for healing or deliverance or if you want to just give your life to the Lord somebody walk you through repentance we're up here so, Lord, I just thank you for your people. I bless them, Lord. I bless them in the name of Jesus.
we declare, Lord Jesus, you are the ruler of the earth. In Jesus' name.